Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today we're going to talk about something that, in looking at it, you may feel like, I'm not sure what this has to do with me as a bereaver or a bereaved parent, but hang in with me, and hopefully you'll understand. A few months ago, I heard something that made me really think, and the topic was walking in humility and what that means. And the person said, and I think it was John Bevere, said that humility is a place of safety. I started thinking about that in so many areas of my life, which, of course, included grieving the death of my daughter. Let's think about this. Pride is thinking we are either better than someone else or we think we know more than someone else. And some of us even think we know better than God how to run the universe when he doesn't do something our way, such as not stepping in to stop the death of our child. We think things like, if I was God, I would never let things like this happen. What kind of a loving father or loving God just stands back while these things happen and allow so much hurt and pain in the world? Well, pride says that we want to be the ones in control, and that's because we don't understand. Many years ago, God led me to a book that put me in my place in this area, and I will say pride is an area that I have struggled with all my life. And sometimes it may be very obvious, and sometimes it may be very subtle and and internal. But it has been a struggle for me. And I'll say I am not perfect yet, not even close, but I am much better than I used to be. Do you want to know why? Because I had my eyes open to the fact that pride and control is as evil as Satan himself. Satan wanted to be the one in control when this earth was created. Being in control and having those around you be your puppet on a string is evil. Satan is the only source of forcing our control onto someone else. Isn't it interesting how often we don't want God to control us like robots, and we don't want him to force us to do what he wants us to do? Even though we know he created us and he knows what works and what's best for each of us, and yet we want him to control things that will cause us pain in unwanted circumstances, no matter who else it affects. And that includes wanting him to control when our child dies so that we don't have to go through this pain. We would rather have God control life and death so that we're not the ones in pain with our child living a perfect life of perfection in heaven with him. We would rather us be spared, stripping our child of the chance to be in heaven before us and let them suffer the pain of our death instead. For some reason, we convince ourselves that our kids got the bad end of the deal by not being forced to stay here on earth, and we foolishly tell God that he got it wrong. We are all born with a sinful nature of wanting to be in control. And there are three ways to do that. Intimidation, manipulation, and domination. And as Craig Green says in his book, Conquering the Game of Control, it's like a game of rock, paper, and scissors. The rock in the game pictures domination. It dominates the scissors. The scissors correspond to intimidation. And that can shred the paper with ease. 
but it gets crushed by the force of the rock. Paper represents manipulation. Even though it's vulnerable to scissors, it has the ability to cover the rock. So it's the same with domination, intimidation, and manipulation. One can overcome the other or control the other, but there's none that has complete control, whatever way we use to manipulate or control a situation. And just like the game, you may win a round or two, but the game itself is unwinnable because there will always be those who can cut us or crush us or cover us. You can see all three of these being used by Satan in the garden with Eve. He intimidated Eve by appearing as a serpent. The Bible says the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field that God made. He manipulated her by asking questions to make her doubt God's loving goodness, and he dominated her by usurping God's authority by telling her she would not die, but she would be as smart as God. By trying to be the one in control, a person enters a game he or she cannot win because it's a game that was birthed by Satan himself. He loves it when he can get us to believe one of those same things, that we're as smart as God, that God isn't really a loving father like he says he is, while appearing to us in a form that we don't recognize as something that is presenting these prideful thoughts of wanting to be the ones in control of ourselves and everyone around us so that we don't have to go through any pain here. Satan is full of pride. I know you know that. And he believed that he was just as important as God and should be worshipped as such. And to look at the bottom line, the root of pride is trying to be like God, believing that we know better than he does and thinking that we would do a better job. You might be thinking that God controls everything, so how can that be from Satan? Well, God really doesn't control he reigns as a king. He makes right decisions based on his eternal view of what's happening. Controlling is not in him. It's not part of his nature because controlling is not love. It's very selfish. If you look up the antonym, which is the opposite of domination, remember I talked about the three forms of control, you would find words like compliance and submission. Another word that summarizes the opposite of domination is love. The antonym or the opposite of intimidation are words like calm, encourage, praise. So a word that summarizes the opposite of intimidation could be humility. And the antonym or the opposite of manipulation are words like protect, guard, advise. A word that summarizes the opposite of manipulation then could be truth. Love, humility, and truth are all words that can describe God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we don't believe that, we are playing on the devil's playing ground, being his pawns. Control is an attempt to usurp authority as modeled by Satan himself. Control is the attempt to have authority without being under authority. Pride is trying to be in control and having authority over others or situations without submitting ourselves to anyone else and not allowing anyone, including God, to have authority over you. Let me also say that there's a huge difference between dominion 
and domination. Dominion flows from true authority and can be given to others. Domination flows from self-appointed authority. See, God created mankind with a free will, and I know you've heard that over and over again. And this is part of the dominion piece of things. We get to choose how we will respond to circumstances, to life, to relationships, including our relationship with him as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can't be out of sorts with one and think it won't affect our relationship with all three because they truly are three in one. They flow in perfect unity together. So if God is not loving, then neither is Jesus or the Holy Spirit. If you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, then you also have it with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. If God is to blame for what happened to your child, then so is Jesus who died on the cross for you and your child. And so is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you to give you comfort and wisdom and, and guidance and encouragement and love. These three cannot be separated. Have you ever stopped to think that what you give your thoughts and energy to is what you will become? So if we worship God, acknowledging that he rightly reigns from the throne of eternity and we allow him to have full dominion, authority, and glory, we will be opening the door to find our way out of the darkness and back into the light and life God paid the price for you to have through Jesus. If we put our thoughts and energy into wanting to be the ones in control or into choosing to live in anger and resentment and bitterness that pride brings, we will remain suffocating in the darkness of Satan and in his fallen nature. This makes me think of Peter. We read about this in Matthew 16, 16. And he declared that Jesus was Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. And this is when Jesus called him a rock that he would build his church on. And then in verse 22, this is just like six verses later, Peter came against the plan of Jesus being sacrificed. He told them, I'm going to die. You know, I'm going to be beaten and these things are going to happen to me. He also said, I'll rise again. They didn't get that part. But it was right immediately after that when he told his disciples this, Peter's response was coming against that plan. Actually, it was almost like he was reprimanding Jesus and telling him, no, don't let that happen. You can't let that happen. No, that, that, no way. <laughs> and this is when Jesus responded, get behind me or get out of my way, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was seeing Satan behind Peter's thoughts and his words. And he called Peter out on his thoughts being filled with man's ways instead of God's. Let me be very clear here. When our child dies, we grieve and we grieve hard. We are thrown into a place of darkness that I did not even know existed until my daughter Becca died. And we're there for a long time, two, three years, even more. I am not telling you that if you are in the suffocating darkness of grief, that it's because you aren't giving it to God or you're doing something to keep yourself there. You might get that from other people, but you will not get that from me. And that's not what I'm saying here today. What I am saying is that many of us, without realizing it, 
want God to leave us alone and we want to be the ones in control because we are convinced that he failed us, which is exactly what the enemy wants. We can start to blame God and make decisions that we will never get out of our place of darkness. We're in a very vulnerable place in our grief for the enemy. And I don't want Satan to take advantage of that in you. I don't want you to be double-minded, begging God to help you find your way out of the darkness and take this pain from you, while at the same time blaming him for what happened and pushing him out of your life. I know it's hard not to tell God that he was wrong to allow our child to leave this earth. It can be extremely difficult to submit or surrender to his loving kingship, knowing God reigns throughout all eternity, not just this piece of it, because it looks so different than how we would do it in our finite understanding of our tiny piece of it. Instead, we should be telling Satan that he was wrong and not submit and surrender to what he's doing to us and what he's trying to do to control us and control our thoughts and control our beliefs and not submit and surrender to the doubts of the enemy, giving the enemy the place of being Lord in our lives in this place of darkness. Use the same words Jesus did. Get behind me. Get out of my way, Satan. I am not going to play your evil game of wanting to be in control. And I am not going to demand answers from God. I'm going to trust him. I don't know how, but I'm going to hang on to him with everything I have so he can pull me out of this darkness to a place where I even want to live again. You may have to say something like that over and over again daily for weeks. Satan, get away from me. I'm not going to believe your lies that I'm staying in this darkness. I'm not going to believe your lies that God did this to me and he was wrong. Satan is not going to release his hand on you easily, especially if he thinks he can hang on and wear you down. Hebrews 4.6 tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in our time of need. Coming boldly doesn't mean with arrogance, telling God he has to do something. Coming boldly means to come in confidence in his love and his kindness and his comfort for us, his plan for us, knowing we don't deserve it and we don't understand it, but we believe it's ours to have and that God is for us no matter what the current circumstances seem to indicate, and we're not going to believe the lies of anything else. The message translation of this verse says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I want to gently remind you that we're told in James 4, 6 and in 1 Peter 5, 5 that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Feeling like we deserve something from God is pride. I don't know about you, but in my place of grief, 
I cannot afford to have God resisting me. I desperately need his grace to get me through the rest of my time here on earth. I want to read a couple translations of this scripture. The CEV says, In fact, God treats us with even greater kindness, just as the scripture says, God opposes everyone who is proud, but he is kind to everyone who is humble. The voice translation says, You may think that the situation is hopeless, but God gives us more grace when we turn away from our own interests. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he pours out grace on the humble. Believing God has done you wrong and wanting to be in control of things instead of him is rooted in pride that causes the Holy Spirit to back off. My question for you today is, can you allow your heart of pride to give way to the gentle heart of the Holy Spirit for your life and the life of your child? Can you believe that God created this world perfect, Satan messed it up, which is the messy part we're living in right now, and that God's plan to restore it to perfection is in front of us and that we can trust him to do it his way. I want us to think about what will be restored. All of these things can be found in Revelation chapter 22 that will be restored to perfection, perfect life, perfect provision, perfect unity, perfect relationship, perfect revelation, and perfect dominion. Ask God to help you give up the need for control and to give up the need to have God answer to you. Don't let the enemy keep you in the darkness by making you doubt the very one who made a way out of the darkness and made a way for you to be reunited with your child forever. I hope you can now see that humility really is a place of safety for those of us who have lost a child from this earth. With Valentine's Day coming up, did you know that we have a way for your child to be honored and a way for you to show your love for your child in a unique way by putting an in-loving memory heart on the Hope Mobile? Sponsoring a heart for your son and daughter is a loving tribute for others to see. As the Hope Mobile travels around the nation and people do stand around and read these hearts and they ask about them, the heart decals we put on our house on wheels are six inches wide and you can choose from seven colors. There's red, blue, green, yellow, orange, purple, and pink. We will add your child's name and where they were from in the heart and add it lovingly on the Hope Mobile where you can even choose where you want to have it placed. These hearts are a $100 sponsorship, which helps GPS Hope continue moving. Our house gets six miles to the gallon, and it makes us available to anyone or organization that needs us since we do exist through financial donations and monthly support. GPS Hope is honored to carry the names of many children across the United States who will be in our hearts. I believe we're up to 90 hearts or so right now, and we would love for your child to be one of them. So you can just go to our website at gpshope.org slash heart decal for more information, or just go to the website, click on the donate button, and you'll see a spot for that to check out the hearts. Just click on that, go to the link to find out more or to sponsor a heart for your son or daughter. 
Don't forget to check out our getaway weekend retreats. They're filling up and there are three right now. Go to gpshope.org retreat to find out about those. And if you like warm, exotic places, you can join Dave and I on the Grief Cruise next January in 2023. Find out more about that at gpshope.org cruise. There will be links to everything I've mentioned in the show notes, along with the In Loving Memory Hearts. And I will also put a link to the book that I referred to. And I'll tell you, if you use the link and purchase the book, then GPS Hope will be given a small portion of your purchase price. Let's go ahead and go on to the birthdays. Eric Weiss was born on February 9th and is forever 27. Brenton Bubba Smith was born on February 10th and is forever 24. We celebrate the day that these two young men came into the world and into the lives of their families. We know it is always an important day for us, isn't it? If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced the week of their birthday, I would be honored to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out the form, submit it, and we will add them to the list and we'll also email you to remind you to listen in on that podcast episode. I want to close by reading some scriptures that talk about humility. Psalm 1827 says, Indeed, you deliver the oppressed, but you bring down those who exalt themselves in their own eyes. The NLV version says, You save those who are suffering but you bring low those who have pride in their eyes. Now, I don't think it's so much that he brings us down, but that we bring ourselves down by not accepting the deliverance we have from him that he is offering to us. Proverbs 11.2, this is the amplified version. The next couple verses will be amplified. It says, when pride comes, boiling up with an arrogant attitude of self-importance, then come dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable who have been chiseled by trial and who have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. Boy, I can use that. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. The message translation of the same verse says, So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Those are some good scriptures that I hope are encouraging to you. They sure are to me. No matter how dark it is and how fearful the future feels, you can rely on the promise that when you are humble before God, He will lift you up. God has promised in His Word over and over again that no matter what happens to us, the Lord still has good things planned for each of us. The Lord will lift you up in His time, which is not our time, and I'm so sorry it can take so much longer than we think we can bear. I encourage you to pray for humility in your place of grief so that he can lift you up out of this place of pain and darkness to learn how to live in his light once again, including 
learning how to live a life of meaning and purpose, not in spite of your child's death, but because of his or her life and because God has life for you. God has not reached his limit with you. There's nothing that is impossible for him, including giving you a life that is still worth living. I'm not saying not to grieve. That would be absolutely impossible. But don't grieve without hope. If Christ is in you, that seed of hope is in you. Don't grieve without allowing that seed of hope to be nourished in you. Don't try to bury it even more, but do what you can to nourish it so that it can grow strong in you. Just like a seed, it can lie dormant for quite a while. You may not see or feel like anything is happening for a long time, but don't give up because there is not a single one of you that there is not any hope for. So H-O-P-E, hold on, pain eases, because with God, there really is 